thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Hey everyone, it is so good to connect with you right into your living room or wherever and whenever you are watching this. My name is Leon and you know this is like 52 weeks that we've been only online as a church and it's incredible at the opportunity it's created and the people that we're now connected with. In fact, why don't you put in the chat where you are watching from if you are watching it live, okay? Because before COVID we were Hales Owen and Hagley and Rowley and Albania and now it's like people watching from all over. We'd love to know where you're watching from. Why don't you pop that in the chat? And you know, it is 52 weeks. It is a year after COVID-19 and the pandemic and lockdown uh, for us uh, here in the UK. And uh, you know, it's been, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? And I don't know whether about you, but there's been some funny, amusing moments as well. I don't know whether you can think about that. Maybe pop it in the chat as well. If there's an amusing moment for you over this past 12 months. In fact, I remember way back at the start of lockdown and I was trying to get used to the whole Zoom meeting thing and my wife is a university lecturer and she was in the front bedroom and she had three screens uh, all laid out and she had all of her staff, um, you know, uh, her boss there and loads of other lecturers, they were all in a big meeting and, and I was getting ready uh, that morning and, and my shirts were in that living, in that uh, wardrobe in that room and I didn't, I didn't kind of, I hadn't quite twigged what was happening and so I walked into the room and there in front of me were all of these university lecturers and there was me in my my pants and uh, that was quite an embarrassing moment for my wife and especially and I just looked at these people and said I'm sorry I didn't realise you were here and then walked out and there's been other like funny moments and you've all had those zoom moments where you said are you on I can't hear you you're on mute. And we've had those funny moments. But you know, I don't know about you, whether you've had any amusing moments during this last 12 months, but there's also been a lot of pain as well. And you know, for us as a church, as we look back over this last year, yes, there's been some pain and we're going to talk about that. But you know what? God has done some incredible things over this past 12 months. Yes, we've been in lockdown, but we have never been shut down. But you know, over this past 12 months, I think we've all been swamped by the news, haven't we? You know, we've been swamped by, um, you know, what's happening next. And we've been uh, almost addicted to those news briefings. We, we're trying to work out what's fake news. We looked at that last week. You know, is there good news we can really trust? And, and, then, and then our whole relationship to the good news and bad news I think even the, the, the story with the royal family recently has revealed that as a culture, we're addicted to bad news, not good news. In, in fact, in, in, in Russia, a Russian newspaper decided to print only bad news for one day. They lost two thirds of their usual readership. Why? Because we're, we're addicted to bad news. Bad news um, generates more clicks and certainly generates more cash. And, and I think we've seen that. Uh, and you know, we, we kind of, as a, as a people, we're almost like hardwired to, to negativity. We're kind of, we, we've got this association with, with kind of bad news. We have a negativity bias as human beings, which is why we remember criticism more than we remember compliments. It's why we remember traumatic experiences more than we can recall positive or even pleasurable ones. But you know, the truth is there is bad news. 
There is bad news and how we handle bad news is really, really important. In this past year, more people than have ever have had to handle bad news. In fact, 2.6 million people have lost their lives through COVID, 126,000 in the UK. And all of the family, uh, families and friends of those people, they've had to, to endure bad news. And you know, here's something really interesting. I was um, uh, listening to someone this week, an Australian pastor, and he was in um, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia uh, at the, the day when um, uh, the COVID thing kind of hit the world. And, and he said, it's really interesting, the attitude of Asian people compared to European people towards pandemics. And he said this, you see, you European guys, you, you're so sophisticated and you, you're so controlled and you think you've got your handle on everything and you can control nature in Asia it's very very different we're used to pandemics we have this different kind of relationship and I thought that was so perceptive you see for many of us over this last 12 months it's been our inability to control which has been one of the biggest challenges in our lives and the question we're asking today is this is there good news is there good news in the pain of loss and I want to say to you guys for some of you life is great right now You've never had a better time. You haven't lost anyone and you haven't lost anything. But for others, this season has been a season marked with the pain of loss. And I don't just mean the loss of a person, but I mean the loss of something. And here's the reality. I remember as a young, uh, me and my wife, as, as young uh, parents in our late 20s, sat outside a, in our car, in a car park, outside a, a doctor's consultancy room. And we'd just been given the news that our youngest son had just got, they've diagnosed him with, with complex special needs and learning disability, autism and ADHD. And they said to us as young parents, he will never lead an independent life. And I remember trying to absorb that bad news and being sat in the car with my wife and just in bits and bawling our eyes out saying, God, you know, how on earth are we going to cope? And, and you know, then, then the news of my, my father dying and then just at the start of lockdown, my mum passing away and, and all of that. And, and, and I've lost friends through lockdown as well. A good friend, a pastor who, who died just a year ago of a heart attack, same age as me. And, and, and you know, and, and I've heard so much loss over this past 12 months. And, and maybe for you, whoever you are, you've lost someone really close to you. But maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's a job or maybe it's a, it's a holiday you've lost or it's, a past, or it's an experience or it's a rite of passage or maybe you just felt like you've lost your mind a little bit. Here's the thing. And this is so important. I want to say, lean in a little bit. Let me give you some caveats. Don't compare. Don't compare. You know, my wife's a nurse and she told me years ago, pain is what the patient says it is. Don't compare. And then don't grade. Don't grade your loss against somebody else's loss. Whether it is that you've lost a loved one or whether it is you've lost a job or whether you've lost some income or you've lost some freedom, whatever the loss is that you've experienced, there's pain in that loss. And I know that God wants us to move forward from this season. He doesn't want us to live with that kind of uh, sense of, uh, of pain. He wants to move forward. And here's the thing, if we're going to move forward healthily, you have to do something. You have to grieve your losses and celebrate your learnings. And I want to encourage you guys, grieve your losses and celebrate your 
learnings. And today we are going to talk about how do we grieve our losses? How do we, how do we, is there good news in the pain of loss? What does Jesus have to say about the pain of loss? And you know, we began this series, Have We Got News For You, talking about the good news of the gospel. The word gospel literally means good news. Euangelion, we said a couple of weeks ago. It's the arrival. It's the announcement of a new way of being, of a new story, of a new order. And Jesus declares good news. And we looked at good news after this. And last week we looked at good news you can trust. And is there good news even in the pain of loss? You see, Jesus had to handle bad news as well. One day he heard the news that he lost a member of his family. His cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded by Herod. And then another day he had had news come to him that he'd lost a really good friend called Lazarus. Lazarus with his two sisters, Martha and Mary, they were inseparable with Jesus and he heard the news and he had to handle bad news as well. Is there good news in the pain of loss? And here's the big idea I want you to think about today. Jesus doesn't always take the pain away, but he can always, always transform it. He doesn't always take away or remove the pain, but He can always transform it. And I want to look at this story in John chapter 11. This is the story of Jesus and His friend Lazarus and the two sisters, Martha and Mary. And if you know the story, you'll know that actually the story ends well, okay? In the fact that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. So you could say, well, that's good news. Well, yeah, it is. But that's not the bit of the story that I want to focus on because Lazarus dies, And in that first part of the story, you see that Jesus hears the news that his good friend had died. And the sisters, Martha and Mary, they send for him, but he doesn't come. He doesn't come when they think he should come. And we won't go into the whys about that, but can you imagine what that felt like for them? They knew Jesus could do something, but Jesus didn't come when they needed him. And I'm looking right in the camera and there may be somebody out there right now and you're asking, you've been asking for Jesus to come and it doesn't look like he's come at the right time. And you're in pain and you're in loss and you're asking the question, Jesus, if only you'd have come sooner, maybe I wouldn't have had this pain. Is there good news in the pain of loss. Eventually Jesus does come and Jesus comes right into their grief and right into their pain. And, and guys, listen, if you haven't lost anyone this last year, okay, and life is great for you right now, don't switch off because there will come a moment when you do. And there'll come a moment when I hope and pray that you'll recall some of these things that we're talking about today. And maybe if, you, if life is great for you, maybe there's someone you know and they've lost someone. Maybe they're in that pain of loss. Maybe they've lost a marriage or a job or, 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 or a person. Maybe you could be good news for them in the middle of their pain and loss. Or maybe for you, you identify and resonate with this so much. I want to give you four things, four aspects of the good news in the pain of loss that Jesus brings. Number one, Jesus invites us to verbalise our pain. When you're in pain, whatever the pain is, Jesus invites you to verbalise it. Look at what it says in the story in John 11, 20 to 21. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha doesn't even wait for him to come. She runs out to meet him. And she just blur the pain. She just spills it all out. 
She just doesn't wait for anything. She just verbalises the pain. And that says to me, they had such a relationship where it was okay for her to say how she really felt to Jesus. I want to invite you, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's okay to verbalise your pain. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you think if Jesus exists, if God exists, He wouldn't want to hear that. He totally wants to hear how you're feeling. It's so, so important. The good news is that Jesus is okay when we verbalise our pain. I love this quote from William Shakespeare. Give sorrow words. The grief that does not speak knits up over the raw heart and bids it break. That's a powerful quote. I know it's old English and if you want to know where it's from, it's from the Scottish play, all right? If you're into Shakespeare, you'll get that. If not, you won't. I'll move on. But that's so powerful. Give sorrow words. Verbalise your pain. If you don't, Shakespeare's saying, your heart is going to break. And guys, I want to say to you, if like me, you've lost people during this season, or, or if like other people, you know, you've lost relationships or you've lost finance or you've lost um, holidays or you've lost, you know, some of you young people, you've lost, uh, I'm going to say you've lost exams. You'd be happy about that. But you've lost a celebration of graduation and all of that. You've lost stuff. Jesus invites you to verbalise that pain, to speak it out. You know, at funerals, I often say, well, I always say to people, the goal at this funeral is not to get through it. The goal is to be yourself, to honour the person and to talk to God. And your emotions are not things you need to be scared about. You see, that phrase, honest to God, is literally true. You can be honest to God. You see, here's the truth. I think we hide our feelings and we hide from our feelings. And if this year has taught us anything, and on Tuesday coming up on the 23rd of this month, in a couple of days' time, if you're watching this live, um, there's going to be a National Day of Reflection here in the UK. And I want to say, let's not hide or hide from our feelings. Let's verbalise. That's the good news, that Jesus invites us to verbalise our pain. Secondly, Jesus encourages us to normalise our pain. Let's look again at the story. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. A few verses later, it goes on in, in, in verse 38. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across the entrance. Now, now, if you know this story, you'll know that Jesus, the Son of God, okay, in a few verses time is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. All right. So why is he sad? Why is he angry? Why is he deeply troubled? Well, because in his divinity, in, in who he was as God, maybe, but in his humanity, we see that actually he feels grief and loss and pain just as much as anyone else. And what I think this does is it shows us that Jesus wants to invite us and encourage us to normalise our pain, to be angry, to be sad, to be frustrated is part of what it means to have the pain of loss. You see, here's the reality. Here's how we want um, grief to work on this picture behind me. We want it to work in a straight line, don't we? Here's how it really works in reality. And if right now you, this kind of expresses how you feel, you're normal. You're human. Jesus felt this too. It's one of the reasons I love Jesus so much. 
That He doesn't say, hey, because I'm God, you know, I'm distant. No, He says, no, I'm God, but I'm also human and I'm close and I feel what you feel and I go through what you go through. So, so important and powerful. You know, decades ago, the um, uh, psychiatrist Kubler-Ross, she developed something called the five stages of grief. And in this church, we believe that all truth is God's truth. You know, so we're not frightened of looking outside of stuff because, because we often find that actually when you see something that's true, the Bible always kind of says, yep, I kind of knew that all along. And in fact, when you see these five stages of grief, you can see it here in this story. First, there's the denial. And when you've lost someone or you've lost something, there's that denial, can't quite believe it's true. Then there's the anger that Martha and Mary felt and, and, and that Jesus felt as well. And then there's that depression, that sadness, that deep, deep troubling. And this is, this is what's so powerful about these stages of grief. But then it goes on to the bargaining side as well. And, and often, you know, Lord, if you'd have come here, if you'd have been here, then it might not have happened. I don't know how many of you have said that over the last 12 months. God, if you'd have only done this, maybe this wouldn't have happened. This is normal. These are the stages of grief. And then finally, acceptance. Not that we accept in the sense that, oh, we're glad. But there's a sense of, hey, the pain and the grief doesn't define us. In fact, it can refine us. And it may never go, but it doesn't mean that our life has ended. We begin to accept and begin to move on with sometimes that pain and that grief. You know, uh, last year, as I said, and just, in fact, a few days um, before lockdown, before lockdown began, um, we had the funeral of my mom. So she died just a couple of weeks before lockdown. And then we, we had the funeral and then we, we began online church. And I realised after about four or five months that life was so busy, leadership was so challenging that I hadn't really allowed myself time to grieve. And a friend of mine, Malcolm Duncan, is an amazing guy in Ireland. He wrote this incredible book called Good Grief. And I would really encourage you to get it. In fact, the story that I'm looking at, John 11, he goes into real depth uh, in this book. And I'd love you to read that. But he says in the book, he says this, Grief and loss may never end, but that does not mean it's the end of us. Grief and loss may never end, but that does not mean it's the end of us. Guys, whoever you are, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, grief and loss and pain is not the end of you. It's not the end of you. And I remember going away last summer on my own for a few days with that book and some music and just allowing myself some time to go through those bit of those stages, you know, and, 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 and yeah, there was a bit of anger and frustration and stuff, but there was also a sense of me in Jesus in the middle of that pain and loss. You see, here's the problem with grief and with pain, especially with a person. We spend all of our lives holding hands with the people that we love, don't we? And when they go, we just can't quite believe that we won't hold their hand again. And we don't want to learn to, to not hold their hand again. I want to say if that's you, that is totally normal. I think that's the grief and the pain that um, Jesus experienced when he heard the news of his cousin John who'd been killed. I think it's what he felt when he was there with Martha and Mary and saw the grief and felt the grief because Lazarus, his friend, was, was dead. And in that sense of I might never hold a hand again, that is totally normal. The good news is that Jesus encourages us to work through our pain and our loss with Him. <laughs> with Him. He's with us. He's with us in the middle of our pain. 
So he invites us to verbalise, encourages us to normalise. But then number three, Jesus shows, and this blows my mind, he will empathise with our pain. He will empathise with our pain. Listen to this next verse, verse 34. It says this, Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, See how much he loved them. Notice they're watching Jesus and they're hearing him, but they're seeing something. They're seeing how much he loved. He wept. I mean, this blows my mind. He knows he's going to bring him back from the dead, but he still feels the pain. Jesus empathises with your pain, with my pain, with your loss, with my loss, with your grief, with my grief, with your frustration, with my frustration, with your anger, with my anger. I love this about God. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, I think this is reason enough to start thinking about whether he's real because he empathises with our pain. See how much he loved him. That's more than just words. It's like they're seeing something and it's like sometimes grief can't be articulated in words, only in tears. And I know that through lockdown, through this last 12 months, we've all been a little bit more emotional than usual. We've all maybe cried in in moments or got frustrated in moments when we wouldn't have done before. And, um, you know, it's a great verse in the Bible, in Psalm 56, verse 8. It's a lovely verse. It says this, You number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? What's this verse about? Putting tears in a bottle. Well, there's an ancient custom. It's called a lacrimatory. Okay, it's a very big word. But basically, it was a bottle that, that people used to hold on to. And when a loved one was maybe off fighting in the war or, or gone on a long journey, um, that, 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 that they would cry. And, that, and the idea, they would put tears in the bottle to show to the person when they came back that, hey, I missed you. And, I, and that's the kind of idea. And it's like God saying that whenever you cry, that whenever you're in frustration, whenever you're in pain, whenever you're in loss, I know it and I record it and I, and I hold onto it. And it's like God saying, I empathise. I'm with you in the middle of that pain. This is such good news, guys. This is such good news. He doesn't only give us permission uh, and invite us to verbalise and to normalise our pain, but he empathises. He's with us in the middle of It's mind-blowing to me. You know, I've sat with some people over the last few weeks and months, you know, who've lost people in very, very difficult circumstances, young people as well as old people, maybe people in in care homes that they couldn't get to visit and, and, you know, and and, and it's so traumatic. But then maybe young people as well. And, and, you know, I I don't know what to say sometimes, but I I know that, that Jesus would want us to know that actually there aren't words, but there is His presence. And when, and, when, and when you know that you're sat with someone who gets it, it makes all the difference. And I want you to know, guys, nobody around you might get it, what you're feeling right now, but He does. And He promises to sit with you in it. And not only that, but here's the fourth thing, and this is so amazing. Jesus promises, and here's the good news, that He will transform our pain. He invites us to verbalise it. He encourages us to normalise it. He, he says, hey, he reveals that he's going to empathise with it. But ultimately, Jesus promises he will transform our pain. 
You know, a few verses before this, in the conversation with Martha and Mary, Jesus dropped out this couple of phrases here, which I don't think they got it at the time, but they're very famous. In verse 25 and 26, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Of course she didn't because her brother was dead. But, but, but Jesus is kind of saying, hey, let's step out of this for a moment. Because you see, she, he's going to go back and he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But then Lazarus will have a funeral at some point in the future and will die. But Jesus is saying something deeper. He's saying, listen, when you're a believer, death isn't an interruption. When you're a believer, the ultimate transformation actually comes in death. Because the death doesn't win. Death isn't the end if you're a believer. That's what we're going to celebrate at Easter. But he says this, but you know what? Even for those of you in your pain, because I am the resurrection and the life, because death doesn't have the final word, even in your pain and in your loss, I will bring transformation. I will transform your pain. While we grieve, while we are in that loss, He will transform our pain. Here it is. Jesus doesn't always remove pain, but He can always transform it. So as we come into Lant, How can He transform your pain? How can you allow Him? How can you invite Him to transform your pain? Let me give you two points of application. Number one, transformation takes place when we face our pain. When we face our pain. You know, in this book, Good Grief, Malcolm Duncan talks about the desert experience. And uh, in the Bible, the, the, uh, the, the Hebrew word for desert, there are two words for desert. One is the word wilderness. And um, the wilderness uh, in God's kind of economy and in God's story isn't a place where there's just nothing. It's actually a place where there's encounter. You know, I, I believe that you can encounter God in this sphere that we call darkness. You see, sometimes we'll encounter God in His presence and sometimes we'll encounter God even in that sense of absence when we can't feel Him, when we can't experience Him. And even in the darkness of grief and loss and pain, in the desert, in the wilderness, it's the place where we can encounter God. When you read the Bible, you read of characters that, 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 that met God in the desert. They received a calling in the desert. They received, um, they wrestled with God in the desert. They, they, they had an encounter with God in the desert. They were changed in the desert. Their character was wrestled to the ground and transformed in the desert. And it's in our desert, it's in our pain and loss that God can meet with us. And Malcolm says this in his book, listen to this quote. If you avoid the desert, you end up dry. If you fail to stop, you will never be able to keep going. If you run away from being alone, you will never be able to be fully present with others. And some good friends of mine told me last year, you need to go on your own. You need to stop. You need to allow pain and grief to hit you. You need to face your pain because if you don't face your pain, You'll never, you'll never find the transformative power that Jesus has for you. Transformation begins when we learn to face our pain. And secondly, transformation takes place when we find our people. You know, there's a moment, isn't there? Jesus, when he hears the news about John the Baptist, his cousin being killed, he, the Bible says that he, he tried to get out on his own. Uh, and, th- and that's important. But you know, ultimately he couldn't. And when he faced the pain uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew he was about to die. And, uh, and he didn't just go into the garden on his own. He took two or three of his mates with him. 
And I want to encourage you, when you're facing grief and pain, yes, there's times when you want to be on your own and that's absolutely right to do that. But there's also a moment in that journey through pain and loss when you have to find your people. You have to find your people. It's why for us, connect groups are so important. Friendship is so important. I'm so grateful to God for friends who've walked through our pain and loss with us, stood in there, haven't known what to say, but have been there for us. And I want to say to you guys and girls, whoever you are, find your people. Don't face the pain alone. You don't have to find your people. A guy called Dan Allender, he said this, we are not machines that can be repaired through a series of steps. We are relational beings transformed through the mystery of relationship. Just pause for a moment. Just leave that on the screen, guys, for a moment. Isn't that amazing? I don't know whether, whether you, wherever or whenever you're watching it, could just breathe and rest right now and just let that sink in. We're not machines that can be repaired through a series of steps. We're relational beings transformed through the mystery of relationship. Guys, as we mark the anniversary of COVID-19, as we think as a culture, as a society, as a nation, of some of our loss, as we mark those 126,000 people in the UK, 2.6 million people worldwide who've lost their lives and all those affected by, by this pandemic, We think of those who've lost jobs and income. Maybe those who've lost relationships, even marriages. We think of those who've lost holidays and and parties and celebrations and freedoms and, and friendships and all of that. We grieve our losses and we celebrate our learnings. But you know, the good news is this. When Jesus in Luke 4, in the temple, when He declared that the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me for He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He then went on to say what that good news was about. It's freedom for the captives. It's release from darkness for the prisoners. It's, it's to comfort those who mourn. It's for, to give a crown of beauty from ashes and, 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 and to celebrate. Basically, Jesus was saying the good news is that whatever happens in your life, I can transform it. I can make it beautiful. I can take what is bad. I can take what is painful and out of it can bring something beautiful. And a few weeks ago, I asked our collective, our Life Central Collective, our creative guys, hey, would you take this song? It's an old song from a band called Gunga. And would you bring it to life again? Because I think there's something in this song which is powerful for people, but also I think it's prophetic for us as a church and as a planet that out of the pain and out of the loss that we've experienced this last 12 months, Jesus can make something beautiful. And I want to encourage you right now as you watch it and listen to it, whatever is the pain of loss that you're carrying, bring it to Him now. You know, the pain that you surrender, the, the only pain that He can transform is the pain that you surrender. And as you give it to Him, And I want to pray for you in a moment, guys. But let me just say one practical thing that we want to offer to you. On uh, May the 10th, we are launching uh, an online course called Bereavement Journey Course. It's six weeks. It's really applicable whether you're a person of faith or not. And it's just to help you with other people to process maybe loss that you've experienced. Maybe you have lost someone through this season. Maybe it's COVID or not COVID related. And, And it's to help you to journey through that. And you can get on that, that link then. You can sign up for that. We'll give you more information nearer the time. But the second thing I want to do is I want to pray for you as well. 
And guys, again, as the prayer link comes into the chat, if you want us to pray specifically, then you just fill that in. And you need to know we pray for every single one of those prayer requests that come in, literally hundreds during this last year. People have been praying for you and with you as well. But I want to pray for you right now. And if you have or are suffering from pain and loss right now, whatever it is, again, remember at the beginning, don't grade it and don't compare it. Okay, whatever is your pain, whatever is your loss, Jesus invites you to verbalise it. He encourages you to normalise it. He reveals that He empathises with it and He promises He will transform it. He'll make something beautiful, even out of something so painful. So let me pray for you right now. Jesus, I want to pray for every single person, whenever or wherever they're watching this, may they know your presence in their pain. Lord, as they go through those stages of grief that aren't in a straight line, that are very mixed up and they think they're right back at the beginning sometimes, but they're not. And God, I pray that You would show them that You not only can transform that pain, but You can change and shape their future. Yes, they may always carry some of that pain with them, but it doesn't mean it's the end of them. So Lord, would You speak to them and for them, I pray in Jesus' Name. Amen.